We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You are listening to Dove Valley Deep Divers with Eric Trickle and Lance Sanderson. Ball comes out of the hands of Newton. It's on the ground, picked up by T.J. Ward at the four-yard line. Vaughn Miller did it again. On Overtime Media. Mile high. Hello, everybody in Broncos country. Welcome into another episode of the Dove Valley Deep Divers podcast. I am your host, Lance Sanderson, and joining me as per usual is my good friend, and colleague, he is Mile High Huddle senior NFL draft analyst, right up his alley this week. Eric Trickle, dude, senior bowl man. This this last week, last week, obviously, we talked about the Shrine game. I want to get into that here in just a minute, but senior bowl man, a lot of information has come out. It's been a lot of fun to get to know some of these players on my end for, for myself, but for you, dude, obviously, just seeing some of the practice videos, you were credentialed, got to see a little bit more than most other people did as well. How did it go this week? How are you doing this evening? And what's up, my buddy? Doing good. I mean, it's been a long week. Senior or Shrine Bowl practices started last Saturday. Um, so I had access to all the replays of all the practices like that. So I spent multiple hours um, over those days that they had practice, you know, going over and watching every single rep that they took in practice. Senior Bowl, unfortunately, the credentials that I got for that didn't cover practices. So I was stuck watching oh. the broadcast, which the broadcast for the senior bowl coverage this year wasn't great um definitely you know worse than it the, probably the worst it's been in a long time um hoping that here soon they bring you know full video virtual credentials back like they had a couple of years ago um That's but no i mean there's still there's still a lot you can learn with what you get to see and everything and uh, what they focus on and all that and what it is is senior bowl like a lot of people sit there and react like oh this guy had a great day that moved some way up well no it's all about answering questions of what you see on tape. Are they doing it on the practice field? How are, and then also the fact of with the coaching stuff and all that, how do they take to it? And not being there, not being part of the process. That's not something I can answer. So for my end, it's, are they being with what I'm seeing on, on practice? Are they showing their technique? If they're not showing their technique, are they, you know, am I, I'm assuming they're going to get coached up and do they come back, show that technique a little bit on the next rep? Um, just things like that, that I could pick up from watching over it. And there were a lot of instances this, this week, um, this past week where, uh, you could definitely hear while one rep is going on a coach getting after another player. Um, a uh, lot of colorful language as well. <laughs> I was caught on the broadcast. Um, but no, it was a, it was a good week. I wish the coverage was a little bit better. And one of these years I'm going to get down there to the senior bowl and, uh, 
you know, get to watch it in person, but just couldn't make it work this year. I was actually just about to say that, dude, we should try to put our money together, figure out a hotel room, get ourselves down there next year and, and go down and dominate mobile ourselves, because that would be so much fun. I've wanted to go for a couple of years now. I've been to the draft before. I want to go to the combine, but I think before I go to the combine, I want to go to the senior bowl first. I want to try to build a little bit of a, of a network and, and get to know some of these players a little bit better that way before I go to the combine where really it's, it, they call it the underwear Olympics for a reason. It's a bunch of guys standing in tights running around and, and not doing much football. The senior bowl is, is far and away in my opinion. And even the shrine game is far and away in my opinion, the better scouting tool. Like you get to actually watch these guys go out there and, and perform on the football field against the best of the best in the competition. You're not really solely relying on, on the tape from that aspect. Eric, what do you think? Well, I think that every aspect has their, has yeah. their use and with the combine like everybody gets all big and uppity about the you know the athletic testing which it's used but what teams do is they have an estimate about what they expect for the 40 time they have their expectations for athleticism yeah yep. we don't see huge jumps or falls from that unless they really exceed expectations or really fall from um fall far right. from meeting expectations and then there's the drills that they do. That actually does provide a lot of use for it because that in that setting, you really get to see can't do they what is their technique like? And over mm -hmm. the years, there's been especially offensive and defensive linemen, especially um, where I, I specialize at. Uh, there's so many guys over the past few years that I've looked at and they just have so many bad habits, even in that setting. And if you have a bad habit that is constantly showing up in that kind of setting where nobody's really going against you, that bad habit is going to show up consistently when you throw on their tape and you watch them at, in college. And it's going to continue to be there at the NFL level um, because these guys are getting coached up. They're working with, you know, guys off the side, you know, athletic trainers, um, personal trainers, you know, coaches and stuff like that mm -hmm. to sit there and get the technique down. So if that, but those bad habits are still there, odds are they're not going to get rid of those bad habits and, I, in the time I've been doing this, I have never seen a player who's shown bad habits at the combine have it broken by the time or through coaching and everything like that. So, yeah, it, it all has their uses. Um, senior bowl is a great tool, combine's a great tool, shrine bowl is a great tool. They're all yeah. great tools for the scouting process. Yeah, speaking of bad habits, let's not get in the bad habit of leaving, leaving our guys out in the cold here. We got Michael Ronquillo jumping in here with uh, some stars over on Facebook. Good evening, Lance and Eric on the Dove Valley Deep Divers podcast. Go Broncos. Thank you, Ronk. We appreciate you for joining us as always. Uh, say just a couple of quick lows. Got Philip Hogginson in the house. First time I, I if I've seen this name before, I, I apologize for forgetting it, but welcome in. Thank you, CI in the house, Mike S. Zach Powers. Uh, a whole bunch of the usuals in the chat this evening. Ernie May is in here as well. Scott just got with us this evening, so thank you, Scott, for joining us. We definitely appreciate that. Speaking of bad habits, there's another one that we typically see a lot of. And, Eric, I'm wanting just some quick hitter thoughts here. Um Everyone forgets about the Shrine game, man. Last week, you and I got an opportunity to kind of break down some of the players that were going to be participating. Uh, the game, I believe, was yesterday. Uh, you got a, the opportunity to watch that. Who stood out for you down there in, in Frisco, Texas, uh, around the, I believe it was the Dallas Cowboys training facilities where they were at? Uh, I believe so. Um, who, who stood out the most for you, man? Well, I mean, there are a lot of guys. Um, but uh, let's see, where to start? Um well, on the defensive line for the national team, there was Miles Murphy. He was definitely the you know the best one out of that group there. Um, and when I was watching the national team, 
it was the offensive line won far more often than mm-hmm. on the other side on the American team, where it was more of the defensive line and edges. So Miles Murphy, a defensive lineman out of UNC, he was pretty quick shooting gaps, um, held up well against double teams and against the run and stuff like that. The Murphy twins out of UCLA, they both had really good, and it was really fun watching them because um, they would go one after the other. And whoever the one that was going second, I can't remember the order that they had them going in, but the one who went second did exactly what his twin brother did before him. Same pass <laughs> rush move and won. Um, and that was just really funny to watch. Uh, a couple linebackers stood out. Dallas Grant out of Toledo, Lavelle Bailey out of Fresno State, and Darius uh, Mwasau out of UCLA. Hopefully I'm saying that name correctly. Um, they all flew, were flying around the ball, uh, flying around the field, quick to trigger, good instincts in coverage. Um, MJ Devonshire out of cornerback out of Pittsburgh, Ryan Watts, a defensive back out of Texas. They both were probably the two of the more intriguing defensive backs on the national team. Um, Quantes Stiggers, he's he's probably the best defensive back that was there. Um, Taulia Tangoveloa, you know, to his brother, yeah, Talia. Yeah, um, Talia, yeah. yeah, thank you. Um, he was probably the best quarterback that was there. And uh, just after we went live, got some breaking news that uh, and a contract extension is expected to be signed between his brother and the Miami Dolphins. So Ooh, there were some rumors about you uh, going to to uh, ending up in Denver. We can put that to bed, thankfully. Yeah. Um, Frank Go- uh, Gore, Jabari Small, running backs out of um, Southern Mississippi and Tennessee. They both had a good week. Malik Washington was probably one of the better receivers out of Virginia. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple of smaller school offensive linemen. Um, Ezra, uh, I can't remember his first name, out of Eastern Kentucky. Aneem Donkwa out of Howard. And uh, Mason McCormick on the interior offensive line probably was the best offensive lineman of the group there at the uh, Senior Bowl or Shrine Bowl. And that's just on the national team. Like, there's a lot of other guys that stood out on the um, on the American side of things. Yeah, or on man, the west, east side of things. The, sorry. Yeah, the east, the east side. Hey, uh, Malik Washington. I want to kind of just break him down really quick. Uh, five foot eight, 190 pounds. He's small, but he is a loaded dynamite man. He is so physical. He's a he's over the middle of the field. He's fearless, man. That dude goes up and, and makes a lot of just crazy catches. He's a, a lot of fun to watch. Um, Let's uh before we get going, we gotta we gotta there's, take a quick break here. It, well, there's one question here I want to grab because it's relevant to the Shrine Bowl. Zach okay. Powers seems like Leonard Taylor didn't help his stock um down at the Shrine Bowl. Uh he was hurt. He was unable to participate. Um he was there. Um, but yeah, he wasn't he didn't practice or anything like that because of he was rehabbing an injury. Gotcha. Uh, that's that's a good piece of information because we 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 did extensive talk, uh, extensive conversation on Leonard Taylor last week. Um, I, I was actually going to bring him up here in just a little bit for the uh, for the Senior Bowl, but uh, that's that's unfortunate. I I liked what I saw from him. Uh, we talked about him not being a nose tackle, but more of a probably a three to five technique interior defensive lineman uh, at the NFL level. But uh, if he's rehabbing an injury, I'm curious to know a little bit more about that. Speaking of getting to know a little bit more, guys, we got to give a shout out to our presenting sponsor for this evening show we have to say hello once again to our friends over at little caesars little caesars the official uh, the official pizza sponsor of the nfl knows football fans love a great game and a great deal so we're tossing out a challenge and calling it pick six for slices and sticks if there's a pick six during super bowl 58 fans who accepted the challenge on our app will get a free slices and sticks period 
Yeah, guys, we partnered again uh, once up with uh, NFL legend Derek Brooks of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers because he knows all about the pick six, having returned one during Super Bowl 37. Guys, we all know that play led to a 44-yard touchdown against the Broncos division rival, the Oakland Raiders at the time, and it turned into a win for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So accept the challenge today and win yourself some pizza and enjoy Super Bowl 58. Thank you, Little Caesars, for sponsoring tonight's show. We definitely appreciate you for your support, Michael. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Bronquillo jumping in here. Pizza, pizza, pizza. Absolutely, man. Love Little Caesars. Those guys are awesome. They, they, they've done so much for us uh, uh, behind the scenes and, and uh, according, well, not uh, including helping our, our families and stuff like that, getting uh, some extra meals in there over the last couple of months. But Eric, let's uh, transition here. We have to start talking about the Senior Bowl. Obviously, today they were off kind of doing walkthroughs and stuff like that. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, they uh, really got the practices going. Um, I want to start off here because obviously the the talk of the town here in Denver is the quarterback position on, I believe it was the national team, Michael Penix and Bo Nix practice side by side this week. And they're both potential options for the Broncos, whether 12 or in trade back scenario. What did that competition look like this week down in Mobile? Yeah, it... With what I was able to see of them, and granted, I was stuck dealing with you know the broadcast of it, which didn't show every single throw that they made. Um, so what I was able to see of them, I think they kind of confirmed themselves for me, like or cemented themselves a little bit for me as that late first, early second round guys at best. Um, trade down, move up a little bit. Michael Penix, we know what he can do. He did that. Um, from what I saw, he. I mean, the big question is, can he work the middle of the field? And he didn't do it. Um, Bo Nix, there was definitely some drop off with velocity on its throws. Um, some that ended up a little bit off target as a result. Uh, it was, I mean, so they, they didn't have the best weeks. I don't want to say they were bad weeks either. They just kind of like, they were what they, what we knew they were, um, didn't really answer a whole lot of questions. And overall it was not a good week for quarterbacks down at the senior bowl. 
Uh, that's what I heard. I mean, Spencer Rattler won the uh, um, the player of the week at the quarterback position for the other team. I, I, he was the American team, I believe. Correct? I, regardless, it, it matters, but it doesn't really matter. Spencer Rattler was arguably the best quarterback down there. And I've been curious to Scott's thoughts on this. And Scott, if, you, if you'd like to join us for a minute, then I, by all means, you know how to get yourself into the show. But um, it, like Rattler was the one that showed at least the the, the capabilities of <laughs> the, like it, like he was he was aggressive with the football. He was hunting a little bit, made a couple of really nice throws. But when you're six foot, 202 pounds or whatever, you, I know he's six foot even. Uh, down there it, it's it's hard to really stand out unless you're really driving the competition and according to everybody that I'd seen down there that was not necessarily the case yeah I mean he just I mean, he took a little bit of what was there he had a ba really bad interception where he missed the read and was baited into it um I mean I don't fully disagree that he was the best quarterback of the group but I mean he was uh, the best of the bunch I think that there was a guy that was a little bit better than him um, just because of the growth that he showed over the days. Um, but Spencer rather, I mean, he just, he it's an, it was another situation where he kind of was what we know him to be. Mm -hmm. And then the other quarterbacks that were there, Michael Pratt, he had a really bad week, a couple mm -hmm. of fumbled snaps working under center throws that were a little yeah. bit all over the place. Although one of the days he probably had the best throw of the day. But outside of that, the consistency wasn't there. Sam Hart Hartman was a guy that I just I, – I mean, it was there was a very clear drop-off. He was there with Bo Nix and Michael Penix. There was a very, a very clear drop-off from those two guys to Sam Harton, Hartman. Um, Joe Milton out of Tennessee, he was the guy mm -hmm. that I think overall was the best from what I saw because I think he showed solid growth as the week went on. Thank you, Scott, for joining us. You were down there at the Senior Bowl. I know you've had a chance to – share a little bit already. What did you think about the quarterbacks? Speak of the devil and he shall appear. You know, speaking <laughs> of pain there, I just need a mask and start start breathing heavy. Um, I, you hit on a lot of the same things I, I wanted to talk about. Um, Bonix was, you could start talking about maybe, you know, the most consistently accurate. But, you know, after day one, I'm like, okay, loop, loop, loop. You know, put a, put one on a line, man. You know, and I, I kept waiting to see it, and I never did. You know, can can you make that throw? As far as, like, the prettiest NFL throws, I'm sitting there opposite hash, and I want to hit a deep out route. Michael Penix was the guy for that. He had a couple. I, I was watching that. I was like, okay, that's the throw I'm looking for. If I want to say this is a guy who's going to be a, a plus arm in this league. Um, I thought Michael Pratt was just, just a guy. Um, you know, Jaguars down there, University of South Alabama Jags. He, he was the Jags down there. Mm -hmm. And um, I think you hit on it with, with Joe Milton. As you're watching these guys, you know, they're, when, you're, when you're talking about, you know, some of the most athletic players, people, not players, athletic people on earth in first-round football players, you know, you want to see it and go, man, that's it right there. I shouldn't have to talk myself into – a quarterback i shouldn't have to try and convince myself this is a guy man i should just know you should just see it doesn't mean you're going to get it right but you know when you're looking at traits and tools of the guy joe milton's a guy that rips the ball around like mm -hmm. he's got it he's got the size he's got the athleticism he's fluid he's got a quick release he's you know he, he and i think there's been a knock on him with his accuracy at, at tennessee he wasn't any less accurate or more you know he he 
showed plenty of accuracy mm -hmm. down in Mobile. Like I said, he's the chin scratcher as the bunt. He's the one that just makes you go, hmm, I like what I see here. How much do I like it? And what am I willing to spend on it? Because he's going to be an NFL guy. Well, that actually ties directly into my next question here because I was going to ask Eric uh, specifically about Pratt and uh, Sam Hartman. Uh, Hartman, I think, is a guy that fits what Sean Payton wants to do specifically within his offense. I, I think Pratt can get there too. Um, Rattler, obviously, probably more day three guy. Milton, maybe another day three guy. But has anybody done specifically anything to really solidify a spot in the top 100? I know Pratt's a guy that ever's like third round guy, but this week kind of hurt his stock a little bit. Did any of those other guys secure a spot in the top 100 in your guys' opinion? I think uh, if you're going to go, go first, I think if you're looking at a guy, I think the overall ability of Rattler is going to get him into that top 100 conversation. Okay. Um, and I think that he was getting that getting talked about as such prior to the senior bowl already. Okay. And then Joe Milton, he's another guy just because of the freak athlete that he is. He's going to test out extremely well at the combine. He's got the arm and coaches. You can teach what you can teach and they can teach mechanics. They can teach the fundamentals, which is where he needs to work at. Mm -hmm. So I would not be surprised if we can, we end up hearing his name called in the top 100 with some quarterback coach going, go give me that guy ball of clay. I'll make him into a starter. Yeah, Scott, what do you think? Was it three years ago with Spencer Rattler coming off a big freshman season? We're talking about this guy as a possible that number was, one overall pick. That was 10 um, years ago. That was 10 years ago. Actually. Yeah, it was in, in dog years. It was, it was at least 10 years ago. Um, he gets one of the big, first big NIL deals and has an ego the size of a Goodyear blimp and just flamed out mm -hmm. and needed a transfer. So he's got the ability. And I tell you what, they raved about him at South Carolina, raved about him. So I, I was curious. I was kind of watching, like, how did it, how did his teammates react to him? Because with him, it's more about, you know, is he did he truly learn something with this experience, this roller coaster ride and, and 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 humble himself and learn how to be a leader and been through and use some of that maturity they had, or is he still gonna be the the Chad Kelly of the bunch who, mm -hmm. you know, we, we when we were doing high school guys. Uh, you know, high school to college, you know, we kind of take informal, just kind of joke awards for players, most likely to be this, most likely to be that. Chad Kelly was voted amongst guys like me and my team as the most likely to get his ass beat by his future teammates. <laughs> that was Spencer Rattler. You know, that was Spencer Rattler at Oklahoma. Uh -huh. He's not that guy anymore. And if, and if he's not that guy anymore, at least he's done a good job of masking that guy and, and putting on the right show. But I, I, I think he... I'm willing to give a kid a benefit of the doubt that he can learn and can mature because he's got the arm. The size is a little scary, you know, six foot, 200 pounds, but that's not too short in today's wide open offenses mm -hmm. um, that, and he can hit the middle of the field and he's got plenty of arm talent, but yeah, I think he can go top 100. And I agree with Eric. And if you were to not tell me to knock on his, his mechanics, it certainly isn't his release because his, his throwing motion is pretty and the ball mm -hmm. zips out of his hand. And yeah. with his size and that arm strength, and I know he can run, um, you know, but you didn't even get to see it in a, in that kind of setting. That I think he should be he should be a top one hundred guy also. So those two should be able to sneak in that into there. 
Yeah. Uh, we got Kathy jumping in here. Speaking of Joe Milton, he's, uh, she says, yo, Scott Fistbump, I'm on the Milton hype train because of your senior bowl video. Liked him before that, but man, that dude is fire. I remember earlier in the season, the first time I'd ever actually heard of Joe Milton, he dialed up a deep ball where I think the ball flew 67 yards in the air and it was literally effortless. It was like a Michael Vick deep throw where it was like the ball just snapped out of his hand and was just gone. <laughs> So during the broadcast of it on NFL Network, they kept showing this video of just to show how talented of an army is. He was throwing from the 20 and landing it in the opposing end zone. <laughs> like, and it was effortless. Like, no, not much of a windup. He would do, you know, one hitch step and then release. And it was landing in the end zone. Yep. Like, absolutely yep. ridiculous arm. I remember last year, um, prior to last year's draft with Hendon Hooker, that mm -hmm. I was talking to people and they were like, we like Milton a lot more than Hooker. Like a lot of people that I talk with were very high on Hooker or right. on Milton last year. And that's kind of stuck. Like wanted to see a little bit improvement with the, the mechanics, mostly lower body mechanics with the footwork as being a quarterback. And mm -hmm. of course, projecting the Tennessee offensive scheme to the NFL is so difficult. Um, but there there's a lot of there's a lot of like for him, a lot of love for him. It just again, because of that athleticism and arms of talent that he has. And what this is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. They did today, uh, not today, T yesterday and today's kind of running together for me. So they didn't actually practice today. This was yesterday. Um, on the final day, day three, and I went through it all again today. They spent a lot of time. They split the they split the field on the hashes. The left side, they worked tight ends, running backs, the and the right side, and it was all red zone, worked uh wide receivers, and it was all short area passing. And I put all that video in a new Joe Milton on my channel today, youtube.com slash Scott Kennedy. And I'll have it on my MHH next week. It was all throws to backs and tight ends where he was just dealing. Um, mm -hmm. Had some guys, Michael Wiley, Arizona. Shout out to uh, Michael Ronquillo, Arizona Wildcat. Uh, Michael Wiley had some sweet catches, some nice mm -hmm. hands on that. Dejon Edwards has some primo hands at running back uh, out of University of Georgia. But um, all of that was underneath stuff. And if that's what you're worried about is his touch and accuracy underneath, because you know he's, he's, he's got the, you know, the arm strength to drive the ball downfield, he, he probably showed some people something on Thursday. Good. Good. Awesome. That, a lot of great insight here from both of you guys. Scott, if you want to stick around with us, by all means, go ahead. But I'm going to move this conversation forward a little bit here because we've got Cody W. jumping in here with a super chat from earlier in the show asking about Laatu Latu, the edge rusher from UCLA. Eric, uh, going specifically to the question that I had for you here, uh, we talked about him a little bit uh, a little while ago. Where did I where did I have that? Um, there it is. Uh Looks like he was dominating practices pretty much early in the week. Like he had that that really cool spin move where he flipped it into the the rip swipe, uh, the swim move that he had. Really just kind of dominating offensive tackles on either side of the football. Uh, is is he doing enough to become the first edge defender taken in April? Given because he got that neck issue, the neck issue is the big thing. Uh, is he performing well enough to be that first edge defender taken this year? 
So I'm glad you mentioned the neck in, uh, neck issue because I actually asked somebody that I know about that, and he flat out said, "We don't care. It wasn't an issue at UCLA. We don't see it being an issue going forward. They'll still do the medical checks and everything like that, but they are not concerned about the neck injury. As for if he could be the first edge taken, yes." But the athletic testing is something that's going to be a little bit big for him, and it's going to be the explosion mm-hmm. stuff for him. Mm-hmm. He has the best hand technique out of all the edge rushers in this class, and his ability to chain moves together is phenomenal. And that mm-hmm. is something that he did multiple times at the Senior Bowl from what I saw. He'd go on one move, didn't wasn't quite winning, then he'd just immediately flip to another move, and there's the win. Like yep. it, he, it was a phenomenal week for a uh, week for him. He didn't practice, you know, yesterday for the final day kind of sat, sat out with like a lot of other guys who had a big week or a bid for big first two days did. Uh, but his two practice, he was probably, he was the best edge out there on both mm-hmm. teams, which you would expect from a guy that is widely viewed as a consensus top 20 pick. Yeah, absolutely, man. And, and the, the big thing with him and Scott, I'll come to you here in just a second. The big thing with him and you, you were talking about the athletic testing and his hand placement and stuff like that. First off, he's not the most explosive player, not the, the best bendy player, but he has short arms. Like I, I believe he came in sub 32 inch arms uh, in the, in the measurements. So he has to have that, that refined technique in terms of keeping players outside of his chest plate and keeping their hands off him. And he does such a great job. And Scott, that technical refinement that he showed down there at the senior bowl was all over his tape, man. What did you think of him down there in mobile? I looked at him and thought just I, I don't know that I've ever really used the phrase like instinctive on when I'm discussing a pass rusher other than, OK, he's, he's got a, a real good instinct on when the snap is. OK, we, we hear that a lot. He, he gets good jumps. This is an instinctive pass rusher and that he knows how to set up guys. He understands his leverage. Yeah. He knows how to, as, as Eric said, roll from one move into another. I think I talked to him the other day about him the other day. It was almost like a soccer player. You know, I can teach you how to do a step over how to do a step over how to do a step over but when push comes to shove do you do you trust it to go to it or do you understand it is it built is it ingrained in you to know to go to it when there's a guy on your back or are you just doing the same thing and panicking i can teach a guy a rip and a swim and i can do all those things but can he use them in context as effectively as latu did no No one does. It's like, you know, what's the difference between, you know, Messi and some other guy? This guy does step overs. This guy does step overs. It's different. And you don't really know it until you see it. And then you're like, that's what I'm looking for again. That's it. And again, to watch him run through, because normally, like, normally you've got time to do one move. You've got time for, okay, I'm going to rip, I'm going to swim, I'm going to bolt. And he was able to, within the same rushing motion, change into a couple of different it's it's impressive it really mm-hmm. is impressive and yep. then you look down and you go he's in these all whites he's got a, you know a, a wide receiver number on him 16 looks like you know a quarterback number a kicker and you're like all right how big is it 261 yeah he's thick he's big mm-hmm. you know he's he's strong and we know he can set an edge so yeah does he have a chance to be the first edge shaken and, and you talk about the medicals he didn't miss a game at, at UCLA that I know of. He's played 25 games. Mm-hmm. I think he'll be just fine. How many how many guys have we seen drafted that haven't played the 25 games in the last two years? Have have missed right. games. We don't talk about their injury issues, do we? So right. um, like him. I uh I do. And and the, the the guy here that I just am gaga over down there. I was 
I was just about to go to him. I was literally just about to go to him. It says, it's Darius Robinson. He did the same thing to me. He was this, except he's an opposite. He's in all black. He's wearing that number six. He's dispatching guys with his hands, you know, grabbing them on their shoulder pads and just like, you know, I'm done with this guy. Throws them out of his way or beats them with a move inside, outside, right side, left side. And then I look down and I'm like, oh, I like this. This is interesting. I look down and I actually said, holy shnikes. <laughs> when I, 286 pounds. Mm-hmm. Like, Six foot I'm seven, like, I'm, I'm 286 looking, pounds with 34 and a half inch arms. The guy's huge. I'm looking at Cam Jordan. I'm looking at a guy that can do whatever you yep. want to do. Oh, he's kind of a tweener. I don't know. No. Then move him inside when it's third and long. Move him outside and and close down one half of the the running of the field, rushing the ball on first down. Mm-hmm. Darius Robinson to me, I said my gut reaction. Chad likes to ask that question. What's your gut reaction? My gut reaction is, I don't know anything about anybody else out here, and I've been watching this for three days. That's the first guy I'm taking is Darius Robinson. That was my gut reaction. Now, will that hold up? We'll see. That needs more analysts, but my gut reaction. Was Darius Robinson was the best prospect at the Senior Bowl? Yeah, Eric, you've been raving about him for about a week now and, and talking about just the length and the athleticism and the, the physicality he brings. And it, they, they played him a lot inside, more as like a four-eye technique at, at, I believe, Texas Tech, correct? Yes. Missouri. Uh, Missouri, excuse me. I'm thinking the other – there's another one down there that I wanted to talk it's about. Miles Cole. They look similar. That's, that's, um, thank you. One of that's them looks the like he's been in the weight room a little more than the other. Right. Regardless, my, my point here, Eric, is you you talked about him. This dude is an edge. He's not an interior player. He's a guy that you want to line up as like a seven technique with his hand in the dirt on the outside shoulder of the offensive tackle and just let him use that length and physicality, man. Uh, what makes First off, in your opinion, what makes him special? And secondly, uh, is, is he a first-round pick now? Did he do enough to secure that first-round pick? Because you were talking about that about a week and a half ago uh, with him being a guy that could be one of the better edge defenders in this class moving forward. Well, entering the week, there was a lot of conversation about him being a top 50 player. Mm-hmm. I, I think he is a top 30 player. Wow. The, when I was watching his tape, one of the big reasons why I said he was an, a, an edge is because his lower body mechanics would get a little out of control. And so he could use that extra space to, you know, for a little bit of waste of movement. Well, we get to the senior bowl and none of that is an issue. His mm-hmm. lower body mechanics were in control. They were precise. He didn't need that extra space but he still was killing people or uh, bullying offensive tackles and guards when he did line up inside. And it didn't matter who he went against. There was a rep, um, I believe against Tyler Guyton where he just absolutely bullied Tyler Guyton back to where the quarterback would have been. Then there was a rep where he went against his former teammate, Javon Foster, who I thought was a pretty, had a pretty solid week and bullied him. Like it didn't matter where you lined him up at. He just absolutely won it. And it carried over into team drills, too, when they did that. And he was making plays, set the edge. And he's a guy, he's Cameron Jordan to me. You line mm-hmm. him up as a defensive end, hand of the dirt, um, you know, against the offensive tackle. And in obvious passing situations, you can move him inside. Third yeah. and seven plus, move him inside, let him use his quickness that he was able to show there at the senior bowl and shows on tape time and time again. And mm-hmm. shoot a gap and get into the face of the quarterback rushing up the middle. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, man. It sounds. I'm so intrigued to go and watch this kid because the, the way that it was described to me uh, in a different podcast, listening to Trevor Sikama and uh, Connor Rogers with the NFL Stock Exchange, like this is the dude that you have walking off the bus first. He's just such a massive, imposing figure, like six seven, two hundred and eighty seven pounds, and he looks a lot like, like Bruce Smith. 
Yeah, like he's I mean, just Bruce, ripped. Bruce Smith would tie those arms. I'm not going to do it and embarrass myself, but you know he'd roll those sleeves up underneath him and show off those biceps while he's out there. And he was a 280 pound defensive end. Um, you know, and mm-hmm. I, I don't want to. I don't want to say you know, he's the next Bruce Smith. Bruce Smith is one of the two or three best defensive ends in the history of this game. But Darius yeah. Robinson should. He, I, I just watch him and I think. Man, if, if this isn't it, I don't I don't know what I'm looking for. And then right. I would go back and say, okay, what what are all his games look like? Because he basically in this play, when you're in the spotlight, every rep matters, every single one. You know, does mm-hmm. he take plays off? You know, he certainly didn't take time off in the weight room. I promise you that. <laughs> um, you know, is he how how is he doing all of the games? I, I before I put you know twenty million dollars into a kid, I'm I'm gonna watch everything he's done over the last two three years. But yeah, coming out of us, you can't do it much better than he did mm-hmm. and watching that defensive line with Tavondre sweat and and then uh Braden Fisk when those three lined up in teams it was it, you could they the, the offense couldn't get anything done they were just yeah. absolutely mauling the offensive line yeah well thank you for su- joining us Scott we'll let you get out of here and, and work back behind the scenes we appreciate you if you want to jump back in by all means you are more than welcome to but for at least this point we're, we're gonna kick you out of here and, and get at uh get at our one-on-one thanks man for joining us we appreciate yeah it. appreciate you having me on y'all have a good rest of the show I'll see if I can help you from the other side all right buddy <laughs> thank you very much we're gonna grab this comment from David Youngkin but I want to come back to the edge rusher position here in just a couple minutes because David has been waiting patiently here we're leaving him out in the cold with a five dollar super chat saying so if uh, you were Sean Payton who would you draft at quarterback or would you draft a best player available in 12 and draft a quarterback later in this year's draft Eric uh I'm gonna pass the floor to you for just a second here I am not taking a quarterback at 12. I'm either moving up for one of the top three or waiting and maybe moving down and, you know, early second, maybe take a quarterback. I am not taking a quarterback at 12. Give me the best player available. Give me offensive lineman. I mean, Garrett Bowles is probably on his way out, mm-hmm. uh, probably be a trade. Give me a tackle there. This is a good tackle class. Uh, defensive line. I mean, I'm still iffy if there is a pure interior defensive lineman that is worth a top 20 pick. Um, but, Edge rusher, I mean, Darius Robinson, like, I'd be fine with that at 12. Like, <laughs> might be early to some people, but mm-hmm. he he has been so impressive on tape. Then the senior bowl, like, he is definitely one of my draft crushes. Um, mm-hmm. uh, lot two, if you want to go that way. Like, there's a lot of different ways that you can go. And I'm fine not taking a quarterback at 12. I don't think that there is a quarterback that is worth it, that is expected to be there. I I don't disagree with you on that, and I think the trading down is probably the best course of action here. The Broncos need to get more capital. I think they really do. Um, although I will say, if uh, what Bill Barnwell, I believe is who it was, and it might have been someone different, but I believe it was Bill Barnwell, uh, he wrote that uh, the Broncos could trade Pat Sertan, the number 12 overall pick, um, a second and third round draft pick next year to move up to number one overall. Uh, if that happens, yeah, I'm 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 here for that. Like that's that's an incredibly light package to move from number twelve to number one overall. Go get Caleb Williams. Do the thing that you have to do. Whatever you want to to get him. I'm I'm I want to say I'm perfect with everything that you want to give up. But uh, I would I would give move heaven and earth, including my brother who talks a lot of trash and a couple of cousins I have who are Chiefs fans. But uh, um, yeah. <laughs> 
Quarterback for the Broncos is probably going to be a later round pick this year. Michael Pratt seems to be a guy uh, very intrigued by Joe Milton. I want to go watch some more tape of him. But anyways, thank you, David, for the for the comment here. Eric, I want to go back to the edge conversation we were just having because you specifically wanted to talk about a player. Not, not, not that you necessarily – we got Cody jumping in here really quick. Uh, I know we need a quarterback, but we really need a true number one edge playing Mahomes and Herbert twice a year. They're just going to pick us apart with all the time that they have. And that's not not far from the truth. I think the Broncos have had a couple of players, um, guys, you know, uh, Baron Browning has showed at least some high upside as an edge defender. You've got Nick Benito, who I think is taking a lot of steps in the right direction. Jonathan Cooper is uh, a player that is more solid than actual, like, good. Like, he's just a guy that you can rely on to go out there and give you quality edge rush snaps. But going back to the senior bowl here, because again, you wanted to talk specifically about a player that you, you had said to me privately that there was a bunch of people that were really upset with him for, for declaring for the draft this year, a red shirt, sophomore edge defender from Kansas named Austin Booker. What did he look like down there? And why are people mad at him for, for declaring for this year's draft? It just doesn't make sense to me. Well, first of all, I'd just to speak a little bit about Cody's question here or comment. I don't really think, as much as I like Latu, I don't think there is a true number one edge in this draft. Uh, I think you have a lot of guys who can be, you know, those elite Robins that I talk about. You know, you have your Batman, that's your true number one guy, then you have your Robins. I think there's a lot of elite possible Robins, uh, not a possible Batman. Um, mm-hmm. Latu is probably one of the closest ones to it just because of the technique, but I, I, I still want to see the explosion testing. Um, mm-hmm. with how quick he just gets off a little bit. There's been some questions about that on tape that I've seen. Now, as for Austin Booker, uh, this is a dude who's played in 15 games. 15 mm-hmm. games. That's all he's played at the college level. He's played 505 total snaps. So, redshirt sophomore, who just hasn't played a whole lot. The athletic tools are there. They were on display during the senior bowl, but there are some technical issues that need to be refined. And, you know, he could use a little bit more work in the weight room. He, I think he weighed in at like 240 pounds. So a little bit lighter than you want to see for an edge rusher. And people just wanted him to return to continue working on the technical aspect of it and working in the weight room. Multiple people that I spoke with said that this is a guy who, had he returned, had a chance of being a first-round pick and would have been in contention for one of the top pass rushers. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, you know, that's depending the the development. But there, that is why. One start. 15 games, 505 snaps. But we have James coming in huge with a hundred dollar wow. donation. Wow. Thank you, James. Oh, man. Absolutely. Holy cow. So appreciative of that. With limited picks, what are the odds we build our O line and D line this year and get our quarterback next year? Well, James, I don't know about the odds of it, but that is the route that I would be going. Build right. just build the trenches where the trenches, especially on the defensive side of the ball, Denver absolutely got bullied. They got whacked. They got beat up. Everything you can think of, tossed literally with Mike Purcell and Jonathan Harris on the ground often. Mm-hmm. Uh, build up that defensive line. I think the offensive line was fine this year, but you're, you know, there were some issues with Ben Powers. My a lot of Mike McGlinchey issues are bringing down the offensive line as a whole, and mm-hmm. then you're you're on the verge of losing Lloyd Cushenberry, who you have to replace, and we don't know how yep. that's going to be. Um, very hard to keep a great offensive line together, and Denver's offensive line was good, not great. Um, with right. one very, very clear weakness. But Garrett Bowles is probably on the way out. So, you which know, I got think some offensive tackle, developmental guy. We talked about some of them uh, um, a little bit. Um, probably can talk about them a little bit more. 
but that is the route that I would go. Build mm-hmm. up the trenches, you know, get them going, get them development or developing because defensive line, they can take two and a half, three years before they really start to start to shine. Then worry about quarterback next year or even the year after that. Yeah. I I really disagree with Garrett Bowles being on the way out. And not that I I, I think it's actually more likely than not, but I, I disagree with that move. If that's what the Broncos are going to do, man. I've so in, in, in full uh, clarity here, guys, I just published an article about Garrett Bowles uh, being uh, potentially let go this off season. Um, and actually, you know, w- with his performance over the last couple of seasons, he's been one of the better uh, left tackles in the NFL. In fact, he was the sixth highest rated pass blocking uh, offensive tackle across all NFL players this last season. Uh, 83.8, according to Pro Football Focus, he had the third highest pass blocking win rate of any tackle in the NFL. It was tied with seven different players for that, but still third highest uh, pass block win rate in the NFL this season. The guy is a quality football player. We can argue all we want to until we're blue in the face about whether he's got too many holding penalties or whatever. That's actually not necessarily the case. He's only been called for 10 total holding penalties that have actually stuck in the last three seasons, three in 2021, three in 2022, and four this last season. Holding penalties aren't the problem anymore. To me, moving on from a guy like Garrett Bowles, who played over 1,000 snaps, was one of four players on this offensive line that played uh, over 1,000 snaps. Uh, The only player that didn't was Mike McGlinchey because he missed the last game of the season, was injured there. You've got continuity building. Obviously, you're going to have to move on from from Lloyd Cushenberry. He's going to want too much money in free agency. But you're opening up another hole, and with the limited draft capital that you have with with, uh, just the the team in general right now, moving on from Garrett Bowles, who's one of the better quality players, and I have a a certain bias here. I like Garrett Bowles as a person. But moving on from him without a a defined, clear position to be a player that you want to have to come in, relying on a player like maybe it is Tyler Guyton. We'll get into him here in just a second. Uh, Tyler Guyton from Oklahoma at 12 overall. You're talking about a raw athletic rookie with a lot of upside, but you're moving on from a quality Pro Bowl level player at at the the left tackle position. And to me, I think you extend him. I think that you keep him around, lower that cap hit for at least this year, maybe keep him for 2025 as well. But you've got to do something to shore up that hole because if you open it up, you're only making your team weaker from where it is right now. But are they? Sorry for the rant. The biggest biggest issue with Garrett Bowles has been consistency. Can we bet That's on true. him playing at the level he played this year next next year? No. He, he, yeah. he, you can't trust him. And that's the mm-hmm. biggest thing. It's like 10 holding penalties in the last three years. That is still a lot of holding penalties. It is. It like, is. That is still higher than what you want to see. Um, I like Carapulse. I, I would suck to see him go. I think he's better than what he gets credit for. But the issue is, is you are expected to be about $30 million over the salary cap. And... I mean, they have the money to sit there and extend him and, you know, lower that cap space or lower the cap it this year. But then you just have cap issues next year because mm-hmm. one of the ways that they're going to be, you know, creating cap room is there's going to be restructures. They're going to be kicking the can down the road yep. uh, just to get out of the Russell Wilson contract, the dead money from that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's I would not flat out release Garrett Bulls. Um, that is a no go in my opinion. I would rather keep him than just let him go. Yep. But because of the fact that he's a left tackle with a lot of experience, who's at the very least a solid left tackle, there is value around the NFL in a trade for that. Even that being the final year of his deal and then having to go, you know, work an exception mm-hmm. for that. There is still value there with how bad the tackle play has been around the NFL. 
what is that so, value? Yeah, I mean, if I if I can get a couple picks for them, even if they're day three, a pair of day three picks, I would do it. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's fair. Um, I, I've been going back and forth with a guy on Twitter. I'm not going to to point out his name or anything like that. He disagrees with me. Thinks that trading him is a better option. Obviously, you think trading him is a better option. I think keeping him around would be something. I I don't think you can get much more than fourth round value for a guy like Garrett Bowles. So if you're getting a couple of sixth round picks, how much does that really move the needle? But you still need to build depth. I can get behind any way we want to go about this conversation. I'm going to stand firm on my my stance here that I think that they need to extend him and keep him around at least for another season. But Back to James here. Great question. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for the support. This is a massive, 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 massive donation. We definitely appreciate you so much. Stick around. Hopefully we are doing a good job and helping entertain you here on a wonderful Friday evening. Uh, Speaking to the offensive line, we talked a little bit about centers here. There's a guy down in Mobile, though, that, Eric, you are a massive fan of and the more that i watched him i watched a little bit of him at oregon i became a pretty good fan of him and then watching him in mobile this dude is absolutely incredible i'm talking about the center from oregon jackson powers johnson this kid is powerful he's built like a fire hydrant he looks like spongebob squarepants he's literally a square and then legs is just massive strength player good footwork powerful very like a, a big physical demeanor man my question to you is, he was very clearly going to be a first-round pick. How high can he go? Well, I mean, I was talking with a guy about it um, a little bit ago, um, a little over a week ago, probably closer to two weeks. And they flat out said that Jackson Powers Johnson is a top-10 player in the draft that's not going to go top-10 because of the positional value that you have, that centers have. They're a, posi- mm-hmm. they're a center thing that you can find all the way throughout the draft. They're one of the positions that that's that's possible you can find starters in round six round seven undrafted um so i think there's some teams there you know between 15 and 25 that i would really be keeping an eye out for him mm-hmm. um just i mean the strength the smarts like he has everything that you want he even moves really well for his size yeah. and yeah. everything like he, yes. he just brings everything to it. He's got the versatility that you want. He can play guard as well. Right away. Um, you can play him a garden. He held his own and won consistently as a guard at the mm-hmm. senior bowl. Yes, I don't remember seeing him lose once. And he was one of the few guys I saw actually um, hold the, his own against one of the defensive linemen that was having a great week. Like anybody mm-hmm. else, the defensive lineman was beating, but Jackson powers, Johnson, he, held his own won the rep recovers well super talented um mm-hmm. pro- he's he's the guy that probably really quickly will end up as one of the better centers in the nfl really quickly. yeah there's people that were uh, saying that they remind that he reminds him a lot of frank ragnow the center from the detroit lions a big kind of stocky powerful player that moves really well considering his size i believe he met, he weighed in at 334 pounds uh down in mobile which is just massive like th- this dude is built like a brick you know what house it's it's it was rather impressive to watch him another guy just quickly at the center position if the broncos don't want to go in that direction uh yukon center christian haynes was another player that showed up there uh showed really good footwork. He was light on his feet. He played some guard as well, snapped the football fairly well, at least from what I was able to see. Uh, what did he do for his stock? I know that you were talking probably a day two pick, late day two pick, third round guy. Uh, what did what did he look like down there in Mobile? Sorry, which player was that? 
Uh, Christian Haynes, sorry, the UConn center. Christian Haynes, the UConn, the UConn center. Um, I mean, he probably had the comment of the day. Uh, got a little physical with one of the LSU <laughs> defensive linemen. The LSU defensive ripped off his helmet and then threw it. And Christian Hayes' response was, you need to go to church. Um, which makes me assume that there were some other things said from the defensive linemen as well that led mm. to that. Um, but man, it, it was tough watching Christian Hayes because he was one that I was curious about entering the draft. I heard some good things about him. Went and watched what little I could find of UConn um, football. And he's very aggressive, strong hands. He gets his hands on you and locked. You're not mm -hmm. breaking free. Yeah, grip strength is a big there were multiple reps in the senior bowl where he was a little bit more passive, um, a little bit more reactive, letting guys get into his chest and then recovering. It seemed to correct itself a little bit towards the end of day two and throughout day three. Um, but his his grip strength is absolutely outstanding. Um, he's a guy that I don't think can play guard. He is a center only to me just because he doesn't mm -hmm. have, you know, the ideal length that you want to out at guard. Um but no, yeah, he had a he had, he was a pretty had a pretty solid impressive week for me. Yeah, there was a, a so the one it was, was it Jordan Jefferson the LSU kid is the one that ripped his helmet off and threw it across yeah. the the field and still told him uh, yeah if you're scared go to church uh, that was a fun rep. But everything else I saw was he's like fleet of foot man. He can move side to side. He's got that great grip strength. His footwork technique is just amazing. He's got a good anchor too. Um, uh, you kind of talked about him a little bit as a, more of a mover than a, a like a mauler. Not necessarily the, like he's aggressive, but he's not the most physical kind of player. Uh, what scheme fit would, would is he a fit for Denver in terms of running the the duo ISO stuff, or is he more of like an outside stretch zone kind of a center uh, at the NFL level? What do you think? Well, I think he can fit any scheme. Okay. He isn't, you know, he isn't much of, you know, when you think of phone booth Mahler, um, who was that guy that was with the 49ers and then went to Arizona for a while. Uh, you uh, potty? Yeah, Mikey Potty. He's not that type of aggressive physical Mahler type. You know, not he's not Quinn Miners out there, but he brings enough physicality and aggression to where you can trust him, you know, in those uh, inside type schemes. But he's got the lateral agility and lateral movement skills to where you can put him in a outside zone heavy scheme and mm -hmm. have him be effective and work. Yeah. Uh, Scott's actually going to pull up a rep really fast here. He's, he's got the, the rep where he got some sound here as well. Look at this. Just a great anchor. Uh, now he throws his helmet. Throws his helmet at him and everything. It's just, uh, this is this is good stuff right there. That's, that's good physical Auto aggressive hurt. play. Go, if you're scared go to church like if you're scared go to church it's, uh, that's amazing i love that from a from a player that's uh, like i said aggressive maybe not the most physical guy but wants to go out there and just show some dominant grip strength and again did you watch him reset his feet like he's so good in terms of resetting his feet getting square to to a uh, to a defender and uh resetting the rep from that particular point i was very impressed with what i saw from him um Let's go back to the outside of the offensive line really quickly. I know that I'm bouncing around here a little bit, and that's kind of jarring for everybody here. But let's go back to the tackle position. We talked about Garrett Bowles with uh, with Justin Moss's comment there, but Talise Fuaga, dude, the, the the kid out of Oregon. I've been hearing a lot of great things for him. He's freaky athletic. He's a mountain of a man. Another six foot seven guy with great length. A mauler in the run game. Eric, you've heard some cool things too. What are, you, what are you hearing from those people down in Mobile? Is he tackle three at least, or is there a chance he could jump up over somebody? So I think it was him, and Scott, correct me if I'm wrong here, but I think he was the offensive tackle, and I'd mentioned this to you before the show, 
where he during a rep he went to he threw his punch and it landed and the defender yeah. that he was going against just fell to the ground. I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure it, I'm pretty sure it was him. Um, Scott doesn't remember, uh, unfortunately, but I, I'm pretty sure it was him. Like the dude's powerful and his punch brings so much power and that rep showed it. Mm-hmm. If that is the right guy I'm thinking of, um, he's been a right tackle. And so you've raised questions as Kenny flip sides. I don't recall um, off the top of my head any reps in one-on-one in the offensive line, defensive line drills where they had him working on the left side. Um, that just may be my memories, not remembering things fully there. Um, but it's you have to flip the technique, and some guys just can't do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's the best run-blocking offensive tackle in in this uh, in this draft. If the Broncos, you know, think he can flip sides or they want to flip Mike McGlinchey, hope not. Um, then, yeah, he was a guy. He's a guy that I'd be looking at at twelve. Um, to me, he has a chance to be the number two tackle. I, I mean, I haven't finished up my grades; nothing close to it. He was already moving himself up as I watched more and more of him. Mm-hmm. Um, I have heard comments that it's a. The question isn't if he's uh, offensive tackle three or four. It's the question is is he offensive tackle one or two. Mm-hmm. Uh, from people that I trust uh, about that. So he's definitely helped himself, definitely moving up, and he may not even be there when the Broncos are on the clock. That was something that I was uh, – I know that there's a lot of people that said that he could move inside to guard and just be an absolute dominant player at the guard position at the NFL level. But he's a little bit tall for that, at least in my opinion. I think um, that uh, he would be more best suited, especially with his athleticism at that size, to be on the outside. Um, but speaking of another player that's really kind of rising up boards, uh, he's only started 15 games at the collegiate level, specifically mostly for um, the Oklahoma Sooners this last se- season. He was also played for TCU uh, uh, last year before he transferred to, to Oklahoma. Tyler Guyton, I mentioned him a little bit ago. We're talking another massive mountain of a man. He's another six foot seven guy. I think he had 35 inch arms. I don't remember all the measurements. So I do apologize for that. I, I'm, I'm trying to remember as much as I possibly can and don't have everything written down. So I apologize. Regardless, athletic. This kid, for being six foot seven, Eric, you said in, in a message to me, he moves like he's five foot eight. He is a very athletic, lower body kind of a player, but he's raw. How did he look in Mobile, dude? Is is this a guy that I know I, I said uh, top 50 player, potentially first round pick. He's solidified first round at least. Is he tackle four? He's definitely top five. Um, his arm his arm length was 32 or 34 and a quarter okay. uh, inches. And yeah, six foot seven, 328 pounds. Dude is very nimble with his movement. Easy climber to the second level. But the technique is just all over the place and inconsistent. The lower body technique is pretty is pretty clean, um, has some pretty good footwork uh, and stuff like that. But the handwork, especially, is just all over the place. Mm-hmm. He had some wins where if it, the if the edges that he went against were trying to work, you know, the outside shoulder a little bit more, he often did guided them by you know over the arch of the quarterback um, pathway. Um, but if they tried to go through them, that was where he struggled a little bit more. Um, he had a couple of good reps where he was able to, you know, absorb the contact, drop to his anchor, and then not get moved as much. But the inconsistencies there stood out. He's a guy that I think he's a top five offensive tackle just because of the size and the movement skills and expected athleticism that they're uh, mm-hmm. athletic testing that we're going to be getting from him. 
Um, but the, and op, again, coaches, they will bet on themselves to coach up technique. You give them somebody who has all the traits, they'll work on the mechanics. They'll work on the technique. And he's mm -hmm. one of those guys. Um, and there are a lot of teams there, you know, pick 20 to 32 that I'm looking at that he just fits so well with. They have good quality coaches who can really excel at work, uh, coaching up his mechanics and the scheme fit. I mean, he can work in multiple schemes. There are some that he's might be, there is one that he might be a little bit better suited to, um, but everything just matches up with um, gotten with a few teams in that range. Yeah. It, so it was a uh, Joe Marino with uh, formerly with the draft network. He's now with the locked on uh, podcast uh, scouting community. Uh, and he works with Duke Manyweather with the line masterminds was saying that Tyler Guyton was probably the one player he was most excited to see out there based on, uh, on the tape that he had seen um, in terms of just being an athlete and a big mover of a, a ball of clay. But the one thing that he did bring up that was a, kind of a concern for him was being six foot seven, 328 pounds, 330 pounds. Do you think he needs to add a little bit of, mass to kind of help bolster his strength because that was an issue on tape was he's not necessarily the biggest mauler he's more just athlete and figure it out and stay in front of a guy rather than latch on and drive a player is is more mass maybe something that could help him out in the nfl level he definitely can use to get a little bit stronger but not every offensive lineman needs to be a mauler right um, he can win he can create running lanes because of his movement skills mm -hmm. and you, he, one thing that he does use well or does well as he uses defenders momentum against them and he will help, you know, continue that momentum. It's why he does such a good job at driving defenders around the arc of the quarterback. He uses their upfield momentum and then just guides them around it. Right. Uh, so that works for him. He could definitely use a little bit more strength and power in his game to help a little bit, you know, when they, somebody does come at him with a bull rush to help, you know, hold his own a little bit better there. Something that, you know, is inconsistent there on tape was inconsistent there at the senior bowl. But he doesn't have to be. He doesn't have to just completely change the archetype of tackle that he is to being a mauler because I just that's just not his game, and nor should it be. Right. Yeah. Makes a lot of sense. I, I really wanted to watch him uh, earlier this afternoon uh, and, and ended up falling asleep on my couch for about an hour. I uh, needed the nap, but I did get to watch another player that I, I know has a huge week this week. Let's flip to the defensive side of the football. Just a couple of quick questions here. The guy that has been called arguably the biggest winner at the senior bowl this week has been none other than Toledo cornerback Quinion Mitchell, who I thought uh, the, the game that I was able to watch was the Ohio State from 2022 game where he's going up against Mecca Abuka and Marvin Harrison Jr. Um, and you could see a big question was, could he play in press coverage? Well, this week in Mobile, this dude showed up and played in press coverage. And it sounds to me like he put out one of the better performances down in Mobile. Eric, what did you think of Quinian Mitchell down there uh, this week at the Senior Bowl? He, I, I love him. Um the, I, I'm not sure where he'll end up in my rankings for corners, but he'll definitely be somewhere top five, maybe top three. His versatility is outstanding. Man zone doesn't matter. He can do it. He can play press. He showed question. He's answered that question there at the senior bowl. He can play off technique. He mirrors extremely well. There were multiple times during this week that he was running the routes better than the receivers were. Mm -hmm. um, he got beat once with what was an outstanding catch on the sideline by the Michigan receiver, um, Roman Wilson, but he just, he, it was a great week for him. Um, a lot of people were coming in of, is he actually a top five corner? Uh, I think he is. I, I think he's kind of cemented himself there with what he was able to show and do. Not afraid to be in physical. Mm -hmm. The athleticism is there. Good enough length. Uses it well. Just He's thick and, too. He, he, 
he's one of those guys that just has everything that you want. And it's not one of those, and but he's not one of those guys where he comes with all that while being raw. The technique mm-hmm. is quite good with him. He's mm-hmm. a guy that can come in and potentially have an immediate impact because he just has a little bit of everything that you need to make to that jump to the NFL. Mm-hmm. It, and I, I said it just kind of off the cuff here. He's thick too for for a guy that I thought was going to be a little bit smaller. He's he, he's built really well. Uh, I don't know the measurables on him for specifics, but he's he's thick in his lower half and he moves really well for being as thick as he is, muscular he is uh, below the waist. Like his movement skills are great. He has very fluid hips. He can change direction really well. There was a rep with him against Roman Wilson down the uh, the right sideline. I believe it was day one where Roman Wilson ran a stutter and go and uh Quinian Mitchell ran the route better than Roman Wilson did and was there for a pass breakup he also had a big interception against a USC wide receiver Brendan Rice uh, on a deep post route where he kind of undercut the route jumped up underneath and took the football away he has a four interception game in his time at Toledo it had his hands on a bunch of footballs at the senior bowl big time riser I can't wait to go watch a little bit more of him um but uh, again, one of the better players down there that really showed uh, as, as a true riser in this class, probably helped himself the most. Uh, staying at the cornerback position, there's a guy from Notre Dame who is big, physical, he's long, he's tall, but there were some issues with him being a little bit too physical and grabby in his tape at Notre Dame. Talk about Cam Hart here, Eric. Uh, the this, the senior bowl in these shrine game competitions, they're, they're really more like one-on-one kind of competitions and really try to show the technique and stuff like that. But sometimes that's not necessarily the best for different kinds of players. You brought up Cam Hart being one of those players. Why is that? Why do you think the game is a little bit more important for him than these senior bowl practices are? Well, because there's a limit on how physical you can be. Now, it's a double-edged sword here because there were times where he was a little too physical, a little too grabby got flagged quite a bit so he has to rein that in and that is something that is going to be hard to do and it can still create issues in the the actual game itself but he's a dude who likes to hit and in team drills specifically i think is where the issues with being able to you know the limitations on being physical hurt him the most and zach powers actually comes in with another guy that this qualifies to james williams uh it's very hard for me for with linebackers and safeties mm-hmm. to get a good idea in situation in these practice situations like this because of the limitations on how physical they can be he is a guy that i'm uh i'm excited to see in the game situation same with cole bishop the utah safety he's another guy um that i'm curious to see in that game type situation cam hart also one you know on being able to unleash that physicality but at the same time can he keep it clean? Can he avoid, you know, getting grabby and holding on for dear life? Because the technical issues lead to him getting beat early in reps where he ends up grabbing as that emergency measure. Yeah. Michael Ronquillo jumping in here. The Ronk once again. Great show tonight. Lance and Eric on Dove Valley Deep Divers. Go Broncos. Thank you, Michael. We appreciate you for that. Uh, Eric, I want to kind of continue on because the linebackers, it, you, you said something specifically. It, it puts these players in such a conflict because they don't have if, – if you're working in space and understanding you have some help, uh, whether it's over the top with safety, maybe another cornerback or a linebacker to either side of you, the linebackers in the one-on-one drills, whether it's against the tight ends or whether it's against the running backs, it's so hard to judge these. So I think that you bring a very poignant point here uh, that you can't really judge a book by its cover for the most part because – 
and even for Cam Hart, because Notre Dame, they play a lot of cover three where they have safety help over the top. They will run some two, two man and stuff like that. Safety help over the top with Cam Hart, especially because he's six foot three. He's long and he's physical, but he's a guy that has kind of, I don't want to call him like, uh, battleship turning ability because that's not necessarily accurate but speedier guys with that are better in and out of their breaks really gave cam hart a big issue at notre dame which is why he was super grabby but he also knew that he had help over the top is that something specifically you can look at, at with the with the game itself and helping identify a little bit more the the quality of these linebacker safeties and even a, a player like cam hart uh this week down there well, the scheme limitations and one-on-ones, one-on-ones are geared for the excitement of the offense. Yes. Linebackers, safeties, corners, they're all at a disadvantage. And then you still get those plays from the corners that are super exciting. You know, the interception, the mm-hmm. big pass breakup, like you can still get that. But linebackers and safeties especially are at such a disadvantage with them, especially when you're lining up and you now have three directions you have to cover with no help. Yep. Like, And it's the same thing with working in the slot. It was one thing when watching the broadcast that uh, – Daniel Jeremiah kept bringing up is like, oh, they're putting this receiver in the slot. The corner has no chance. And the corner really didn't um, just because you now have three areas you have to defend where when you're working the boundary, you only have two deep mm-hmm. and then the inside. You don't have to worry about them going the, uh, the other direction. Right. Um, so that kind of stuff is makes it hard to evaluate. And then even in the game, there are some limitations on what you can do with the scheme and everything like that. But with linebackers and safeties, especially, which are very much a with the way the NFL is going is about you know um, passing through zones, um, passing guys off to the next guy, thing like that, things like that. When you get in these one-on-one drills, you're not able to see that, which does hurt the evaluation a little bit. Yeah, it, it it makes it hard, man. It really it really does. Like you said, the one on one is it, it's the it's the hardest thing. I like one on one specifically for wide receiver, cornerback on the outside, and then offensive, defensive lineman. That's where you really get the best value out of the one on ones. Speaking of value, I think we've given everybody enough value for tonight and what we have done. We are about an hour and 10 minutes into the show, so we're going to have to end it here. Uh, Eric, unless you have anything else you want to get out, any last words before I kick us out of here for the night? No, um, thanks, Scott, for joining us. Thank you guys yeah, for you, all the super chats, all the comments. I'm sorry we couldn't get to everything that you did. There's definitely a couple Alex Forsyth comments I saw in the chat that I wanted to get to, but you know, we just don't have time for everything. We still appreciate you guys joining us and uh, being part of the conversation. Um, so thank you guys for every week. Thank you guys for who came in with the outstanding stars and super chats. You guys are all awesome. I hope you guys have a wonderful weekend um and make sure you all wish a happy birthday to nick this upcoming tuesday um he's gonna join the old man's club with lance and i so yeah, he, he, he turns, turns 32 he turns 30 32 32 okay yeah it, he is an old you know what I, I wanted to say something but i almost cussed Anyways, uh, we again, shout out Michael, shout out uh, Justin, shout out Cody W and everybody else that joined us in here for this evening. We definitely appreciate all of your guys' love and support. Uh, follow us on happy Twitter, birthday, guys. David. Oh, happy birthday, David. David Youngkin, happy birthday to you, sir. Thank you for joining us and, and being a part of the conversation. Guys, follow us on Twitter. 
Um, you can find me at Lance S underscore M H H and for Eric at Eric trickle. Um, also guys at mile high huddle It's breaking news and analysis. Uh, anything regarding your Denver Broncos opinion articles, all of our draft content is going to go up there also at mile high huddle.com uh, Facebook users, facebook.com forward slash mile high huddle pod. Keep that conversation flowing over there as well. A lot of good conversation on the mile high huddle super fan group. Make sure you guys figure that out. Find out where you can find that as well. Um, next week, guys, uh, just a kind of little show programming note. Uh, we're going to do our first mock draft. Eric and I are going to sit down with one of the mock draft machines. We're going to go through and really kind of break down this Broncos roster a little bit. We had the, the Forsyth questions, stuff like that. I want to talk about linebackers. I want to talk about safeties, how this team can move forward a little bit. After that, we're going to try to get Luke Polglaze on. We talked about that a couple. I'm not sure. I uh, haven't gotten any correspondence back from him on that, at least on my end. I know Eric's been talking to him every day, as he always does. Um, but mock draft coming up, getting some position breakdowns uh getting into the combine stuff like that but mock draft next week uh man looking forward to it very excited to do that with you eric what do you think man yeah it'll be fun yeah lots of lots of fun here on dove valley deep divers you all stay safe and take care have a great rest of your weekend and as always go broncos we'll see you guys same time same place next week you are listening to dove valley deep divers with eric trickle and lance sanderson